welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Spurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Power's back on, Andy. <laughs> Did the power come back on? Do you want to? Do you want to leave and come right back while I? No, I mean, let's 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 start out with a a congratulatory hat tip to uh, the great uh, Brian Harmon for winning the least memorable major of the last ten years. Um, You have any extended thoughts while I uh, get get my my shit together over here? I did. I did other like I watched it because I enjoy golf so much. But yeah, there was a little part of me. It's like both of the. Both of those tournaments I thought I'd watch a lot more of. I didn't. Even though I hit an outright in the Barracuda one. Um, one of my, my – I had a live shot on Sunday. And he went out and had like a bogey and a double bogey on the fourth and fifth holes, which is just, uh, you know, that's a death sentence in modified Stableford scoring. So I kind of quit paying attention until later on. I checked it. I'm like, fuck, my guy's my guy. It, it's, it's why I bet on him because he's a psychopath who will just knock out like seven birdies and eight holes. And that's massively important for Stableford is you can get away with a few bogeys because birdies are literally double the points of a bogey's, you know, penality. Is penality a word? I think I just made one up. But either way, um, it was fun, <laughs> fun having a, Akshay Bacha, my guy winning the Barracuda, which is cool. very confusing about like, if you win an event, it like kicks out your points from other events. Like, oh, now you don't get credit for what you did in Puerto Rico or Bermuda or something, because now, now that you've won like a full fledged event, now we can't count your points from these shittier events because you're like a corn fairy graduate. There's, there's like this Byzantine fucking uh level of rules for qualifying getting your card getting temporary special status but either way akshay bacha will be in uh either the players the pga championship cool. the cool. uh the uh champions, tournament of champions, the, the, tournament yeah, tournament of champions. champions yeah yep, those yeah. three is that's what you get for that uh absolutely has to do a little more to get in the main the the other majors but uh it'll be fun to see his progression and uh, if you like young up-and-coming golfers who are kind of getting there and maybe on the cusp of doing something, this is your week because it's it's a bunch of guys that are just trying to get it right and then uh, and then those guys because the 3M is not usually a big draw for big names. Mm-hmm. Uh, halfway through the fucking uh, British Open, I'm going to keep calling it that, PJT announces that, I'm playing 3M because (laughs) there's so much money in the playoffs and not getting to the playoffs is just horrible. So not only that, he's playing the Wyndham championship too next week. So he's in, he's in a rough shape, but the only way you get out of a, I don't know, bad golf slump is just keep playing golf, baby. So looking forward to, I, I might make it to, I think I'll probably be, uh not probably i will be at jt's press conference tomorrow so maybe i'll ask him a question oh how about that uh you did uh, i mean you know what are what what you know i'll what, just uh, let everyone else ask the dumb questions and i'll ask him about uh i mean everyone's ones, gonna ask yeah. Ryder cup and your slump and this i'll i'll ask him something okay no no that's the worst thing no one will ask anything about how he thinks he's gonna play at the 3m it's all gonna be other stuff uh, golf press conference questions are traditionally very horrible, just <laughs> as a rule. So that'll be fun. There's a couple of good All ones, right. um, and then later it's like Thomas Lehman, which is not Tom Lehman; it is his son. So I'll probably go to that one as well. Okay. Well, Dan, uh, I'm going to pull the old switcheroo, and uh, if you want to drop my uh, phone and add my computer, then uh, that will work. work. What? Oh, double Drew. Double All right, dose. man. Let's talk some football. Like yes, yeah, double dose. Of uh, it is officially it, it is officially um, training camp season. We have teams reporting. We have news hitting the wire. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff uh, to digest this week. We have completed two of our eight divisional previews to this point. So 
that means we have covered eight of the 32 teams in the NFL and we are at the business end not the business end we're in we're starting to get to the the meaty thick section in the middle uh and we're going to cover some AFC East uh which by my numbers is the most competitive division in all of football um really really good teams top to bottom here we cover we're going to cover the uh, patriots because the odds have them as the fourth choice currently in the afc east and uh, and then we're going to cover the miami dolphins shockingly they're the, currently the third we did not choice. think we were very both sure it was going to be <laughs> patriots jets yeah um and some books it is flip-flop but we just went with the bookmaker chris numbers and uh, slightly better odds According to them for the Jets to win the division. So the Jets have been uh the opposite of relegated, promoted to the uh, <laughs> to the Wednesday show where they will hang out. We'll do uh oh god, maybe a, a good cover shot for that one would be a picture of the awful, awful color rush game between those teams that was just wreaked havoc on yeah, the red green colorblind green. population of the world where they <laughs> that was a rough one just to watch even if you didn't suffer from any of that but yeah um yeah today and yes yeah, starting with the patriots and i guess uh, before i dig into each team i kind of look at the division as a whole look at mm-hmm. everything and you know mm-hmm. uh, not only last year but this year as well and first glance you say yeah there is a, a fourth team this should be the fourth team because there's, you know, there was issues. And then I, the more I mm-hmm. dug into last year's Patriots team, it's like, man, was this, was this team bad? Cause I don't think it was. No, it was really no. just handicapped by itself. It was, They're, it was yeah. average. And they, they had a couple of games where it's like, man, like you really snatched, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory two or three times. This probably should have been a team that got mm-hmm. savaged in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, this is a really tough one because, uh, you know, before they get to the free agency, before they got to the hiring of an offensive coordinator, the Patriots stood out as pretty clearly the losers of all of the machinations of, you know, quarterback merry-go-round, you know, the Jets leapfrog you, um, Dolphins get better with some of their additions, Bills aren't going anywhere, they're reinforcing. Um, So, yeah, here you are at the bottom of your division for what seems like the first time in forever. Andy, do you have a guess for me at the last time the Patriots finished last in their division? How many years ago was it? Man, even, even the season where they were, where Brady went down, mm-hmm. they finished, like, you know, they Matt were 11 and five in 2008 and they were not second, make the playoffs second of four. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, are we talking like Bledsoe years then? We're talking or Bledsoe years, and we're talking Belichick's 99? inaugural season. Belichick's inaugural season was 2000. The Patriots went 5-11, and 11 and they finished 5th of 5. Um, that was back oh, when yeah, there was a divisional realignment, before divisional realignment to the to the eight divisions who of four teams. Who was the 5th team in that division? They were the 5th team. No. no, who was the 5th team that's Oh, not- I think it was the Colts. It was the Colts, right? Colts used to be in the AFC East, I believe. Sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remember the Seahawks were in the other conference? Yeah. It still bothers me a little. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of weird stuff. Uh, the, um, yeah, the, the world was a very different place in 2000, Andy. Uh, I don't think we need to tell people that uh, in broader detail. They all <laughs> respect that. Uh, there were. There Remember Y2K? Was, yeah, oh, yes, I do. You remember, yeah, you remember 9-11? That hadn't happened yet. Um, Patriots, in fact, oh, in as a franchise, by the way, the Patriots had yet to win a Super Bowl at that time. Uh, they since had participated, then, yeah, in 85 and what, 85 and 96, 97, somewhere in there? I think, yeah. Yeah, the one where they, they lost to uh, Brett Favre. Brett Favre and, and Mike Holmgren, got yeah. trucked in 85, obviously. Tony Eason could not hang with the... Uh, buddy ryan d yeah mm-hmm. they hadn't won one this is yeah this is crazy this reminds me of like oh, just how old we are it's like fuck we were in high school <laughs> you know, at this point. yeah mac jones was one year old uh the last time the patriots finished last in their division and here we are with the market expecting them to sh- you know to be the clear fourth choice um in a very competitive afc east um this is a team that is not that far removed from a wild card
I don't know if he some throws impressive for wins the prior year uh, when they finished seven and nine and third out of four in the um, uh, in the AFC East. Uh, and you know, it. Uh, I guess really where I want to start and end here is is the was Ouroboros. Uh, you know, is are we going to get? Are we going to close the book on the Belichick regime the same way it opened with the Patriots finishing last in their division, Andy? I did see that, and it's kind of up there. And I think somebody even like made a compilation of these headlines where it's like, "Does Nick Saban have something to prove?" And the one was, you know, like, "Is Belichick on the hot seat?" Like, what the fuck are we doing, guys? And, <laughs> and June, June is just screwy month for stuff like that. But I mean, all the reports from people that he wants to pass, you know. Uh, why can't I think of the Dolphins coach's name? I almost said Joe Gibbs, not Shula's record um, for most wins. Like, I think that's, that's real. I think he sticks around for a few more years. And, boy, uh, you want you want yourself a bit of an uproar. Like, can you imagine firing Bill Belichick after a couple of bad years? Like, don't you think he's <laughs> he's earned a little bit? Of, like, honestly, the, think about it. What What is the over-under? on that um how many bad years should bill be able to have in a row after running off the greatest mm-hmm. dynasty of i don't know like i don't know what else our, our lifetimes for sure our lifetimes for sure and you know the celtics of like yesteryear yeah. the lakers of yesteryear that was a whole different kind of sport. there's like eight teams in the nba man yeah i i would say that the yankees kind of had a similar but it, the the patriots was longer it was longer they won the afc east uh what uh like 16 out of 17 years and they got yeah, second was, the one year the, that brady went down yeah no i mean it's it's uh it's pretty amazing the success he's sustained and i think you know like realistically like when you let brady walk out the door and let you know belichick pick the successor you know the understanding i think between Kraft and belichick in that moment is yeah you you're here till you no longer want to be here like your decision when you're ready to call yeah. it a career um, the question is, if we don't see growth out of this young team, if we don't see promise, you know, some some semblance of life in the um, arm of Mac Jones, does Belichick have much more of this in, you know, in him? Like, does he want to? Yeah, does he want to get the record and, by having like five five win seasons? Yeah. You know, that's not as fun. Yeah, so it's it's tricky to. Uh, to kind of read between the lines about what ultimately is going on with Belichick and how long he wants to be here. My assumption is he's ready to die in this job. <laughs> he doesn't ever really want to retire. And that uh, that may come to a position where Kraft does have to make a decision at some point if we have like four losing seasons in a row or something like that. And we're like- in, and another quarterback try doesn't work out. And then it's really like, okay, man, like uh, it's time to... Uh, it, does, it does feel like he has like four or five years of leeway here. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's crazy like, since if you're craft, uh, yeah, it's gotten smaller. Like as a whole in the NFL, it's gotten smaller. Teams in general used to give coaches longer leeway. Like it took a of lot, of course, um, for a coach to get fired, and even their second year, it felt like. And now, you know, we've had two years in a row. Yeah, granted, you know, the, the Urban Meyer thing was a cavalcade of issues, and the Hackett deal was. Oh my God! Like that has to be such a freak out. That's, I mean, that's like buying, buying a shit coin at the top mm-hmm. and then just like five seconds later watching it drop like a rock, you know? Or you know, just one of those like, oh my God, what have I done? Because you can you the money they spent, yeah, on on Russell Wilson, and then just watching that unfold, be like <laughs> in real time, like the ownership group, the management team, that had yeah. to feel so bad every week. Like we have. We have fucked up so bad. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with uh you know, with something like this, it's I think I think you can get away with a, a another round of hey, let's try out another quarterback here if the if the Mac Jones experiments. Yeah. Happen. The palace intrigue is get is is pretty notable and worth covering though. Um it's not clear to me that Belichick's progeny are long term successful coaches in this league but they certainly have job security at the patriots hq um nothing happened no steve belichick is is not going anywhere anytime soon as long as dad's still the head coach and i would say that um the departure of josh mcdaniels while 
you know, long overdue because, you know, how much longer do you really want to sit around hoping that Belichick's going to decide to retire one day? Like, go out, you know, go out there and sell your oats, big guy. Um, it hasn't gone well, but that was overdue. Yeah, who's the and king I think, now so of the, England? <laughs> the current king of England, Carlos yeah. Alcaraz? No, no, the, oh, the guy oh, who just got, oh, I don't oh, even yeah. know his name. Pr- uh, king Charles. King Charles. It's yeah. like him, just like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to be king when, uh, this this gal passes on and then she's like oh, i'm gonna be queen for like 90 years that has to <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, granted it, it's got to be fun to be part of the success sure. of sure. those patriots years but i feel like he probably felt like yeah. he was gonna he was gonna move up the ranks at, eventually a little quicker yeah and not based on inside information but just kind of reading the tea leaves it seemed like one of the reasons that josh mcdaniels decided to finally throw in his hat in the ring for more coaching jobs was because he got the sense that draw Oh, no, he did it again. Yeah, Drew, you froze up, my amigo. I don't know if uh, the power is still being glitchy out there in the Los Angeles County uh, area, the Long Beach area. Yeah, Dan, Dan just commented that Drew froze again. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what uh, Drew's point was going to be. Okay, here you go. I'm back. Am I back? Oh, you're back. All right, sorry about that. No, the I think you know McDaniel's. The writing was on the wall that he was no longer the chosen son. That it was going to go to Gerard Mayo when Belichick decided to step down, which is why he yep. threw, threw his hat in the ring for some other coaching jobs. All right, cool. Well, now if Gerard Mayo takes another job somewhere else, and if you're crap and you're like, okay, I have these talented coordinators that are getting picked off by our competition because Belichick is still wants to be the coach here, but he doesn't necessarily seem to evaluate the talent correctly. He's never going to give over control of football decisions. Uh, you know, like they, I, I could definitely see this becoming a stressful situation between Kraft and Belichick um, rather than just resolving with him riding off into the sunset and a final Super Bowl the way Tom Brady did. Um, because realistically, uh, without a quarterback to make it all work, I don't see this Patriots team really threatening for anything this year. Well, we'll say that for a range of outcomes, but um, you yeah. know, yeah, it was uh, 2022 for the Patriots was a like a wild, wild, eye-opening experience of what a Belichick team that wasn't succeeding, like how that could, you know, curdle. And we talked about this in the context of a bunch of other teams already in the preview series. Uh, if you're losing, um, some things about the way that you are conducting yourself as a head coach become less tenable for the players. Yeah. And... I think there's, it was weird to see success under Mac Jones as a rookie lead into Belichick not putting confidence in him into year two, uh, combined with Belichick's very unusual decision-making about bringing Mac Patricia back, bringing Joe Judge back, and having them share duties to craft an offense last offseason before ultimately Patricia got the keys and drove it into a ditch in the regular season was wasn't that our entire preview last year drew it was yeah. just i think we spent 20 minutes on like hey what the fuck is going on here why why did we decide that you know get, we, we've said this about so many teams if you have sean mcveigh a, a shanny you know even some of these other guys that have branched off from the the, the o'connell's and uh lafleur's you need a really good defensive coordinator just to, to handle that, to call that because the head coach is not only the head coach, but they're calling the offense same, you know, maybe to a little lesser extent, but the same goes for a defensive minded head coach who's crafting that you need a really good offensive coordinator on your staff. You had it, you saw it succeed for 15 years. And then to, to just absolutely punt on that. I don't know if you hubris or bad, uh, some bad recommendations from within, but like, uh, I don't think we'll ever be more right on a take than this isn't going to work <laughs> because it really <laughs> didn't work. And it, it caused a, a just, you know, the same problem we see with a bunch of teams that we're going to talk about with, you know, obviously we did it with the bears already and we'll do it with other teams with young uh, quarterbacks that either were picked this year or are waiting in the wings. Like we really don't have a great feel for, Mac Jones and his progression yet, which causes some issues because he's getting further and further away from draft day and closer to, you know, tag signing day and that sort of thing and fifth year option stuff. So it, it really just punted away a whole year of like quarterback uh, kind of evaluation, which is the most important thing when you move on from, you know, 
the old guard and you had something stable at that position. And I guess I'm I'm happy with the I'm happy with the move. Uh, it's one of those things where Bill O'Brien brings up so many negative connotations because we're, we're you know we're used to him just being an absolute shitbird in Houston as a you know as well, a team manager. He sold, he sold the yeah he sold the Texans for you know he sold their future down the river to try to save his own skin. And yeah, it's like horribly. several times. Yeah, <laughs> went horribly sideways. Um, but okay. yeah, and, it, and it's been posed you know poised. Bleh supposed a bunch of different ways and you know people have put it different way i think somebody might have been clev in his little preview said a literal corpse would be better than you know what they were using last year and this you know this could be one of the biggest upgrades at coordinator we see because it's a proven you know decent offensive play caller compared to the mess we had last year of course it's like you know you look at all the offseason moves and I think it's similar to what we said about some of these other teams, like, or even, you know, Denver, like the biggest move. And it didn't help that the Patriots didn't make a lot of offseason moves as well, but the biggest move is clearly a coach. And I mean, the, the entire takeaway from last year is just the offense was uneven mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, basically kind of what we thought we'd get from the, the two men that were calling that. And there was a bunch of games where it's like, yeah. I, you know, going, looking at the schedule, they never play well in Miami. That loss feels okay. Losing at home to the, you know, the Ravens, they still had Lamar intact and that team wasn't bad or falling apart quite yet. Um, losing at Lambeau in overtime, like none of these were bad losses. You know, the Bills losses to uh, the Cincinnati loss, even the Vikings lost on the road which was a weird one too, because I think the offense actually was kind of moving on that. The the cure for a bad offense is to play a Minnesota defense, but mm-hmm. you know, that giving up 33 at home to the bears, giving up, uh, you know, what they did against the Raiders. Like there, there were some head scratchers, only the, the 10 to three game against the jets. Like there's some ugly ass games. I, I, again, we, we talked about the Detroit game when we went over that, that still will be a, kind of an aberration from the entire season shutting out Detroit was something, but I mean, that that's the thing we haven't mentioned yet, Drew. And I'd like to hear where you have your rankings from last year. Um, it was a top five defense. I don't think that's, I'm at top 10. I'm, I'm top five. Cause I'm higher on the pass rush or okay. I'm higher on what the pass rush did. Okay. I don't know how you, there's a lot you can do with like pressure rate, conversion you know like how many are you just getting a shitload of pressures without getting any sacks and i think some of that is a little noisy but man the amount of pressures they got and the fact that you know they were often playing you know from behind or playing against some of these decent quarterbacks that they had to face last year i think the off i think the defense was close to top five for me okay uh they're close they're in the five to ten range for me so yeah, I'm okay. five, no problem there um which is maybe one of the issues because like you're kind of too good to lose your way into replacing the quarterback if that's yeah. ultimately what you decide you need to do if you're bill belichick and like i mean that relationship between those two has to be just as tenuous and as uncomfortable as any that i can remember between a legendary head coach and a young quarterback trying to find his way in the nfl that has to have just nothing fun when those two are are, are interacting one-on-one i cannot imagine that that is a, a good scene uh which means that there's you know there's tail risk to mac jones performing poorly and you know being cast aside as the future of the franchise uh this season that's entirely possible <clears throat> we saw him notably uh, pulled uh, in a primetime game against Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Um, there was, in general, a, a little bit of a, a hesitance to, um, you know, give him the keys, which is weird considering how successful he was as a rookie. Um, but the passing offense was atrocious uh, for the Patriots over the entirety of last season. You mentioned the Vikings game. Vikings game was the only game all season where they eclipsed 350 passing yards. Uh, They had two other games where they got just barely over 300. Otherwise, this was a super, super pedestrian passing offense. And considering who you're up against in the AFC, considering who's in your division, that ain't not, that is not going to cut it. Um, And, you know, 
jumping it, jumping yeah. ahead before we get there and we'll get there but there's a lot of different ways that people and previews and people who do this sort of thing will evaluate strength of schedule. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a way to do this where you don't have the Patriots think to schedule in the top five artists. Mm -hmm. like it oh, is, yeah. it's yeah. that, that's, that's the true. We'll, we'll really find out as, as Birdie pointed out, they did, you know, the defense was better. Every defense should be better mm -hmm. against the bad quarterbacks. And they definitely were. They, they, struggled against some of the really tough ones yeah but boy this is going to be a test this year to see how good this defense is with with you know they added a little bit here and there and we'll see if they can build on last year but the schedule is not uh conducive to mm -hmm. you know bringing it back or trying to rebuild up this offense i don't know if you intended to take us there on purpose or not but you are have uncovered a very important point about their 2022 campaign and maybe a good place to put a period on this uh thought uh, the Patriots were very good last year uh, against the spread when they were favored. When they were mm -hmm. dogs, they were miserable. Like this was not a team that had an ability to step up their uh, performance for a difficult opponent and give them a test. They rolled over and died like dogs almost every single time they were a meaningful underdog. Um, the only, let me see, they were, I have them as two and seven against the spread as dogs uh the i'm looking for any example where they what came in as dogs in one hour right they beat the cleveland browns with jacoby Brissett and company um they beat the green bay packers as huge dogs that might have been the first bailey zappy game of interest right that was it those are the only two there's only two games where they were dogs and they won um Bailey Zappi was responsible for 99 passing yards and a touchdown uh, against the uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and they didn't win that game, but they covered uh, as dogs, as nine-and-a-half-point dogs. Yeah, we'll um, over time. We'll take it. Okay. Uh, so, basically, uh, this was a team that, you know, it really had a very clear ceiling in terms of performance on a given week, and um, they, uh, they never really overcame that. Um, Defense was solid, like you mentioned, uh, although the totals were priced pretty effectively. Almost all of their totals last year were hovering around 40-41, and uh, they finished 8-9 and nine against the spread in terms of over and under. Um, no real clear trends here, um, other than uh, when they went up against a pretty elite passing attack on the other side uh, is usually when things went sideways for them in terms of keeping their opponents under 27 points. They gave up. 32, I guess you can't really count Vegas Raiders, but they gave up 30 to the Raiders, including an insane touchdown at the end, 33 to the to the uh, Vikings. Yeah, I don't, that's the thing. Do you want to count those points? Not really, no. No. Um, yeah, so, you know, they they didn't really play anyone that was all that good last year. It didn't matter. Um, no, I mean, even when, the, even when the defense showed up, and, you know, I, I, I hate to, like – Point to a game I had to go look because I knew he had a Burrow through 52 times against them. The the run game just wasn't you know getting going. It was actually it was actually kind of a out of hand game. This is weird. So Burrow threw 52 times in a game where the Bengals were up 22 nothing at half. If you remember that one, that, that was a weird one too. Where that really pointed out just like you know uh, they played well in the red zone. They held them two or four in the red zone, but it was a, it was another one where it's like, man, the, the offense, if it just had a little bit more, the defense kind of stepped it up there in the second half, but the offense just had nothing to give. You know, even though they, they did score a couple times in the second half, a, a couple of them, I feel like, yeah, there was two picks that one was off the back of a, another interception by Burrow. Like it was a, it was a ball hawking team. The defense put them in decent positions, but against those good teams, they just did not get it done. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of chance that the defense was overrated because of the quarterbacks they faced and they covered the games they covered. So they covered eight yeah. times. It was against Mitchell Trubisky, um, Aaron Rodgers, and Jared Goff, uh, Brissett, Wilson, Ryan Wilson, and Colt McCoy. Um, so congratulations for covering against those mighty, mighty quarterbacks. Um, all right, off-season grades start and end with the offensive coordinator decision-making. I mean, I don't think you really had a choice. You had to uh, jettison Patricia and find someone to yeah. that you could trust to hand the keys to. Um, I think Bill O'Brien was a perfectly fine hire. 
Um, it has a range of it has a range of outcomes in my mind. I don't think he's going to come in and light the NFL on fire. It's been a little while since we've seen him calling plays at the NFL level, and the league has changed. I'm going to criticize Deshaun Watson for the same thing. Uh, it's fair to criticize Bill O'Brien for you know will what he was doing when it was working in the NFL level. Is it still going to work in today's you know paradigm defensively? And I don't know that the answer is emphatically yes. Uh, particularly when he has this group of skill position players to work with. I was just, yeah, I was just going to throw that in. How much, uh, how much of the decision by uh, Hopkins do you think came down to Bill O'Brien being here? Once it was apparent that the, the, you the know, dollars were he wasn't, he be wasn't going he to get a big was, contract yeah. and he wasn't going to get the right contract from one of the true, um, you know, contenders like the Buffaloes and the Kansas yeah. cities with the rumors were thrown. Like they just, they weren't going to throw a big enough contract. He wasn't going to get the big one he was holding out for. And he had to take one from somebody had offered him and who knows, maybe the Patriots offer was considerably worse, but it does feel like, man, like Bill O'Brien is already a negative. Like we hope he's a huge positive, but boy, that's a spot, not a huge needle mover, but man, they could have used some help with wide receiver. Uh, it doesn't doesn't really move the needle in either spot he was going to land. A ton definitely would have helped, but yeah, like you said, it kind of starts and ends there. The the Juju Smith Schuster thing, you know, they lost a couple of receivers. They added him. Their receiver room is probably on par with what they threw out last year. Um, God, somebody mentioned this, and I wanted to, uh, and I'll wait for the schedule to talk about this, but Gonzalez. Their first draft pick, Christian Gonzalez, there was, you know, being bandied about as, hey, this guy might go fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, in this this high region. It kind of fell to them a little, mm-hmm. and you know there was reasons, but he's still a, you know, a highly touted defender, highly touted cornerback, and um, I like the pick. I guess it fit, and we've seen this time after. If there was a place you were going to land. I think you could do a lot worse in New England because Belichick and this coaching staff have taken young defensive backs and really coached them up and made them into you know, fucking stars. So I like his uh, career trajectory landing here, but go look, go look at the schedule. And uh, like I mentioned, the schedule is hard. Now just go start picking out even their number two receivers at some of these spots where mm-hmm. he's going to have to cover. It's uh it's going to be a rough hang for him uh, off the bat. You know, we mentioned that last year there was a handful of corners in Houston and uh, the Jets and Seattle and even Kansas City. We've seen some young corners really take that step right away. This might look uh, pretty rough on film to start the year. Yeah, and that was always the exception, not the rule. Like, you know, the rule was <clears throat> takes DBs a couple of years to get their legs under them because they're being asked to do yeah. so much more than they were in college. Talent alone isn't going to get you there. Uh, Gardner broke the rule last year, obviously. Um, yeah, their losses were pretty negligible in my mind, other than sort of the leadership vacuum that now exists with Devin McCourty retiring. Um, he, you know, that, that guy had. That, um, that guy had a Hall of Fame career. Devin McCourty was incredible. Yeah, those um, second – again, we like we, we talked Flores um, when we were talking Minnesota. Those – I, I just had to, like, gasp a little at the secondaries they put together for the last few years. Like, Jesus. Yeah. What a, what a pain to fucking game plan against that. Yeah, McCourty had 13 years in the NFL, uh, only got on all-pro uh, recognition three times. But uh, boy, oh boy, was he important for them. Um, so, yeah, free safety is now uh, a little bit of an uncertainty. But, yeah, no no replacing McCourty in the locker room, certainly. Somebody else is going to have to step up there. Um, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar were, you know, net, net, net neutral with bringing in Schuster and, you know, trying to um, uh, you know, figure out other answers at the tight end position, I think. Um, you didn't lose anything at running back. You didn't lose anything. I mean, you, know, you lost Damian Harris, but that's that's uh, negligible. Uh, offensive linemen who were off were all minuses for me. So I think Isaiah replacing Isaiah Wynn with Riley Reef is a po- is a net positive, um, even though Riley Reef's not very good. Um, and yeah, I, I, all the rest of the moves were 
depth moves, which means you're pretty much running out the same squad as last year and hoping that your draft choices and your player development helps turn things around and not not really not really feeling it. So from a personnel standpoint, well, I give your offseason a C. From a coaching decision, I give it an A minus, but a chance to not to a, a potential for us to to, to be underwhelmed. Um, I'm prepared for Bill O'Brien not to have the answers out of the gate here and for it to take a little while. And I just I don't know if uh, Belichick's going to have patience with Mac Jones. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to have patience with Bill O'Brien. Like that's a that that little triangle right there is just all full of. All full of just bad vibes. Um, a lot of bad vibes. I mean, I, like, I, if you would maybe make a market on the eve of the draft, you know, what are the percent chances that Mac Jones is the starting quarterback for week one? I would have been low for me. I thought he was for sure gone. He thought he was gone. His wife or everybody, you know, yeah, everybody you know, thought that trade was kind of kind of happened. Yeah, his fiance or whoever was saying goodbyes to people. Like there was, it seemed like there was not a you know a long future. Getting that last here. lobster roll in. Yeah, getting the yeah yeah right right. Um, um yeah, and a big same. I'm, I'm pretty much in lockstep with you there. Like the off season was meh. It, not much happened personnel wise, but. I think the the fact you're bringing in a viable offensive game planner, you know, yeah. like you said, that turns a meh offseason into, hey, well, we had a bunch of pieces. Like, we're supposed to be this team that had these really good tight ends. And not only that, but we have, like, tight end depth. We're three deep at tight end. Like, are we just going to see, you know, again, we don't really know what Mac Jones is. I don't feel like he has a super high ceiling. Why don't we, uh, you know, why don't we run a bunch of twelve personnel? It's like, hey, we have we can put two, we can put three tight ends on the field a lot, get them a bunch of help, you know, help these ends, uh, the offensive line, excuse me, ends tackles. Like, I guess I would just lean into these tight ends. Look, if I looked at my wide receiver room and I looked at my tight end room, I would lean in hard on those guys and try to ease into the season. Hopefully, it works out because again. The schedule fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think, I don't, I, I still am not 100% that Mac Jones is starts, you know, is, I think it's close to 100% that he starts the season as a Patriots quarterback. They're out of time to make a move to do anything different. Yeah. But I, you know, his tenure could only last a few games. It could last the whole season. Like I, I really have no no solid read here because he was um, he was pretty bad last year. Ultimately, system aside, like he didn't have many standout moments. He looked like he regressed personally in a lot of ways, uh, and I don't think you can blame it all on who he had to work with in terms of personnel. And I don't think you can blame it on the protection because the protection was fine for the most part. Um, this roster. Real quick, I'll give you kind of uh, my uh, my bird's eye view of the Patriots here. Um, their roster coming into the season on defense, on paper, uh, is pretty good. I have them at top 10. I make them the ninth best defense uh, in the uh, NFL from a personal standpoint. You want to know the bad news, Andy? They are fourth in their division. <laughs> I have all four, all three other defenses are better than you on paper, uh, even though you're top 10. <laughs> no, and yeah, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll get to Tua later today, but essentially you are facing a Hall of Famer twice, <laughs> uh, it, just in your division. Yeah. Like, like the ceiling for everyone in the division is Hall of Fame because. If Josh Allen plays out the rest of his career for 15 years, the level he is, mm -hmm. even without a title, probably gets talked about. Tua's efficiencies are through the roof when he's healthy. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how hard this defense has it just within their own division. And like you said, they're, you compare those three quarterbacks at their best-case scenarios versus Mac Jones, mm -hmm. clearly deficient there. And, and to your point, all three defenses in this division are very good as well. Yeah. So it's like, hey, your defense is your strength, but everybody else in your division is like just better than you at that anyway. Yeah, there's no group where you actually have the best group in the division in anything. Um, your pass rush is top 10, but Buffalo's is better. 
Um, your linebackers are top six. Buffaloes are better. Your DBs are 16th. Miami's and the Jets are better. Um, your front seven overall is a top five unit when you combine pass rush and linebackers. But, uh, you know, still a, a little worried about some of the youth and inexperience on the defensive side of the ball. Like, as I specifically look at the free safety position, um, you're replacing, uh, yeah, you're replacing Devin McCourty with Adrian Phillips. He's not an above replacement level player in my, by my numbers. Um, yeah, you're going to ask, uh, you're going to ask for an upgrade out of uh, the left cornerback position from Jack Jones to Christian Gonzalez, but that that could be a little bit of a challenge. Um, Kyle Duger, your strong safety is good. Marcus Jones, your nickelback is good. Jonathan Jones is fine. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky, tricky really for me to see how you are stifling opposing quarterbacks who are elite uh, with this roster. Um, and yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, you have, you don't, I, I, here's some more good news. You ready? You don't have the worst offense in your division. That's the Jets. Um, on paper, you're slightly better than the Jets. Your offensive line is borderline top 10. Uh, your interior offensive line is strong. So Mac Jones should have time to work. Uh, your skill position group is average. And your quarterback right now is, I would grade him the 16th best in terms of uh, median output for this season. Um, Although he's generally available, so not a, not as much of an injury risk as say Aaron Rodgers. Or, uh, yeah, several Bruce injuries Bruce. that looked a lot worse than they were last year. Let's see, grimaces very well, I guess, but didn't really miss a lot of time. And yeah, let's uh, let's take a look at that schedule. No depth either, really. So Talks if injuries, if injuries, end, if injuries bite you, <laughs> then um, not sure what you do about that. Um, wow. Favorite in three games. That's a uh, four games. Excuse me. Uh, four games. You were favored in out of 17 this year. Yeah. A lot of coin flips where you are a small dog. Wow. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games where you're a dog of under a field goal. Um, that right alone implies a high variance type of schedule. Eight games out of 17 inside of a field goal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I can see I can see you beating up on some of the bad teams on the schedule, surely, but that's only like four. <laughs> There's not enough games. You only get to play a rookie quarterback probably when you play the uh, the Colts, and that's international, interestingly enough. Um, you get a second-year quarterback with Washington. You get uh, maybe the corpse of Jimmy G is still playing week six when you play Vegas. Oh, we, um, passed, we passed the physical, baby. Uh, we did. Other than that, yeah, Andy, uh, you get a second-year quarterback in Kenny Pickett. You get to pick on Russell Wilson maybe at the end of the season. Other than that, like this is um, this is a gauntlet of opposing quarterback play, and that is really going to test maybe your one true weakness on defense with your secondary. Um, not a good fit between the way your roster is balanced and this particular schedule, the way I can tell you. I, I'm yeah, not only, only two yeah. real advantage, only two real advantage spots. And we joked about this a little already is that the, in the schedule episode where they aren't going to be playing somebody off the buy when they come off the buy. So they have a big rest advantage that, you know, everybody gets for the most part. And then the next week they'll get a big travel advantage with, LA coming across the country but other than that your next biggest advantage is like a medium sized rest advantage but it's against the Chiefs like that's it's uh it feels a little wasted on a team of that caliber at this point yeah it's even the coin flips you know if the trajectory for some of these teams you know uh especially the teams within the division those coin flips against Miami and the Jets at home you know, if we find out, you know, Aaron Rodgers just wasn't engaged last year and he, you know, he is back to even 80% of the MVP form we saw a couple of years ago. Like that's, you're not a one point dog there. You know, the same thing with Miami. If, if that offense clicks, you talk about a team that looks good on paper. I don't even, you know, depending on Miami's first week and how you look against Philly, I'm not so sure you're a one point dog in that one either. So. There's there's just so much upside to some of these other teams that have I mean even that the Denver at Denver, the, oh yeah let's give them 15 weeks for one of the best coaches of all time to figure it out with a Hall of Fame quarterback 
and then we get to play Denver at Denver. A lot of these coin flips aren't even coin flips, uh, you know, depending on how some of these teams traje- trajectorize. That again, I'm just gonna make up <laughs> words all day. So this the schedule trajectoration. You know, there, there's yeah. a lot of times I look at it and be like, ah, you know, there's a lot of these teams that have long tails to not being very good, but there's a ton of teams on here that kind of have even the middling teams here, you know, what are projected to be close games. They have a ton of upside. The schedule could get worse really throughout the season. So you kind of have to beat the, you have to beat the Washington's and the Vegas's and the Indies of the world. Yeah. It'll be interesting too, seeing how they look with the young quarterback. Nasty little travel sandwich of going at the jets at Dallas, the following week home for new Orleans and at Vegas. That's uh that's un- unkind. Um, you don't have to go to Miami in the stifling heat. That's around Halloween. That's maybe a, a little bit of a uh, of a reprieve. Um, yeah, not having to do that yeah. early season like they often do is big. But then, you know, even that that bye week that I talked about, like you're you're still coming back from an international yeah, trip. Yeah, really tough trip. Bye week, yeah, really tough travel. Um, yeah, I mean, like if if we if I didn't have respect for Belichick, and it's waning. If I didn't have, um, uh, you know, kind of respect for the upgrade at the offensive coordinator position and what that uncertainty brings to this offense's ceiling, this to me looks like the type of schedule where the Patriots are one in six, one in seven, and rather than really fight it out through that home stretch of all of those coin flips, they are positioning themselves to draft at the top of the draft next year. But I can't ever really see Belichick throwing up a white flag on a season and going for a top five pick. Can you? Doesn't feel, you know, it doesn't feel very in character for him. And the same thing with, you know, Bill O'Brien. I mean, he's got to play for, he's got to coach some really good coaches now in his career, but I mean, folks like him aren't thinking, oh, this is where I want to be now. Like I'd, I'd love to just be the coordinator here for 10 years. Like he wants to be a head coach again. They all do. Of course. So, I mean, him, you know, punting on the second half of the season with someone other than Mac Jones, he's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be banging the table for that. Like, I'd like to try a bunch of different quarterbacks and have my offense look worse. No, I want to put good shit on film, and I want to get some calls here, maybe not this offseason, but next you know, when, when there's the traditional five to seven coaching openings every year and people love a retread. So, and neither of them seems very likely to want to go down that path. Um, I don't know. Maybe Kraft can talk some sense into him because honestly, it does make a lot of sense. Like you want to, you want to figure out a, a good way to do this rebuild with a quarterback is, you know, put yourself in a spot where you can draft Drake May. Dude, this first four weeks for these guys, they're so screwed. They're so screwed. Well, and and like, I, like I mentioned, Drew, like, uh, again, somebody brought this up, and I don't remember who it was in a pod. Uh, they didn't phrase it just like this, but they they said, you know, they were just naming the receiver duos. But let's assume your highly drafted rookie cornerback gets to face the second best receiver every week Yeah. here on this schedule. Yeah. So, like, who, who's your second best receiver on the Eagles? Devontae Smith. You know, Smith. And then you get Waddle instead Waddle, of Tyreek. Yeah. And, and then, you know, for a uh, little Jets, bit of breathing room against the Jets, I guess. Little, little bit. It's not, it's not, uh, and then, you know, Dallas comes in with three really good receivers. There's a bunch of weeks like this. And again, like Miami, that's another one coming up right away again in week eight. Like that kid, uh, that's a full baptism by fire for that kid, just facing those, even the mm-hmm. second receivers for those teams. Mm-hmm. So you better hope the pass rush is, you know, getting all the pressures they got last year and this linebacking core gets it. They tackled well. You know, they do defend the run at a decent clip. It's, it's It just kind of all needs to come together for them to even have a chance in some of these because I don't know what you have for, like, a possible jump yeah. for this offense. But I don't, it doesn't yeah. feel like it's a – doesn't feel like it's some huge leap. No. And as you look at the schedule, like, when's the first – time that you face a favorable defense where you're like okay now we can kind of make our we can kind of make our, our our offense pop a little bit not against philly i mean maybe it is philly's defense is overrated but not to the point of where your offense is going to look good in that game i don't think um the uh, <laughs> measly is on your schedule again you cannot escape measly um 
but no, you, Miami's defense is yoked. That's and that's in prime time. Your defense, your offense is going to struggle against Miami, uh, struggle against the Jets. Dallas is a nightmare matchup for you. So it, realistically, Week Five home versus the Saints in a one p.m. time slot is maybe the first time you're like, okay, we're maybe let's show show us some life. And then if they don't absolutely rip the you know rip the soul out of the Raiders in Week Six. Then I think we're probably like this is this is a huge huge problem. This is a huge problem because Buffalo, Miami, Washington—that's another little murderer's row stretch. Uh, and then you get Indy in in, uh, in Germany. So realistically, you have two defenses you should put meaningful points on, and one in the New Orleans where you're just hoping that they take a step back and you can get them that day. So we're going to be on the bye, and we're going to be talking about like Mac Jones. Like, wow, he's got three wins. He hasn't looked good. Like it's, it's going to be, this is going to be a very trying season for all, all parties involved. I think, especially over the first half of the season, um, that makes it tough really when, when it comes to what do you do with this team in terminology standpoint? Cause again, like if they had a Patriots schedule of old where the rest of the AFC East is dog shit and AFC in general is weaker then against a completely average schedule of neutral opponents, I have this as a winning roster. This is a roster that is good enough to be above 500. But against this schedule, I don't know how they get to eight. Yeah, it's uh, it, the roster, the schedules of old you mentioned. Like it was always, it wasn't just like three garbage teams. There was always one of the three teams was like, kind of an up and comer and the Patriots would, you know, beat them or, you know, one and one at worst and then sweep the two other teams and like just another five and one, you know, just another division win, another division crown. But boy, this is, this is not the schedules of old. This is a very competitive division. Like you said, on paper, this isn't a bad team. And when I looked at last year, it's like, yeah, they lost to really elite teams and they struggled against really good quarterbacks, but who doesn't? And this team wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad team, despite, you know, putting themselves, you know, just at the back of the pack to start with, with what they were trying to do from an offensive play uh, game planning standpoint. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, well, hey, we took the step forward by not doing that and bringing in Bill O'Brien, yeah. but the schedule got like twice as hard. Yeah. yeah. And again, the schedule is a tough thing to, to base everything off of. There's, Every year there's injuries. Every year there's surprise teams both ways. Obviously, injuries are going to usually surprise to the bad for the, some of these teams. You, you never – like, there's a non-zero chance that they don't face two at all. Like, yeah. Just based on him hitting his head on the ground yeah. one time. There's a lot of things that can break, right? But they, they're they going to need a lot of that if they want to get to 500. Okay. So, Let's take a look what, at What the, are the odds? The odds, Yeah. Um, the Patriots are 55 to one to win the Super Bowl. That is not in their range of outcomes. So I will not be betting that. Uh, AFC 30 to one is not in their range of outcomes either. I will not be betting that. Mac Jones winning two playoff games seems impossible. Winning three seems out- absolutely outrageous. Um, AFC East plus 750. I mean, there's worse bets on earth. Um, but I, you know, you, you have to be the beneficiary of some truly black swan stuff from quarterback injuries in your own division, I think. And that's possible. At least, at least two, I'd say. You need at least two, and then you need to split with the Bills and just hope that your schedule somehow ends up a light, slightly less difficult than the Bills. I don't know, man. Um, yeah. So win total set at seven and a half. It's been bet to the under, minus 122 currently. Um, make the playoffs no is minus 325 i think that's probably priced about right my median expectation for this team is seven wins um my modal uh, outcomes are six and seven so i'm on the underside here but not enough to get not enough to be laying minus 122 um alt unders for these guys interest you at all yeah birdie just brought that up in the chat i think you know if if it really does go poorly on offense and the division turns out to be as tough as again the, the range of outcomes is definitely four or five wins like the mm-hmm. the floor is low and you know you mentioned this <clears throat> would would belichick ever pack it in would would bill o'brien want to you know try to reset this offense mid-season and go with someone else like they don't want to but man the, there's still a chance that they're giving it their all all year and, and win five games 
Yeah, just very much. It's just well. that tough of a schedule. Yeah. Um, God, man. Wow. I'd need to. I'd How need the turntables? Uh, they. Yeah. It's 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 pretty wild. Um, okay. Well, the range of outcomes for me is again like the upper bound is is contingent on your divisional opponents and quarterback health. Um, things break your way. You're talking ten wins. There's too many external factors you got to determine to figure out how good this team will do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, because it's, when, when when someone's range of outcomes relies heavily on their schedule rather than internal factors, I think it makes it a lot harder to try to bet. Oh hell yeah! Season like this, so oh. there's not there's not a lot I want to do with this team preseason. Yeah, my betting plan is to kind of stay away from this yeah. team in general, or you know, if if we like them, uh, if the offense shows some signs of life, I'll take them as a short favorite against some of these teams where they match up decent with. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know. So, yeah, well, they're getting their shit hammered by good teams. So we'll do the same thing as last year. Yeah. Hey, they, can beat, they can beat Vegas. Yeah. And, I mean, like, the, the problem is I don't know that I'm going to bet many of these games. Uh, Birdie or Charles dead nut under team. I don't know that they really are because they face some elite quarterbacks and they have some issues potentially with the secondary, right? So even though their defensive personnel overall is good, if they're up against a team that can pass pro um, and their secondary is getting picked apart, uh, this could go, this could, you know, these could be shootouty type of deals, or they could, uh, you know, concede 30 and score 17. And in that case, you're going over your 45 total or whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's a, uh, it's not obvious to me that this is going to be a team that you can find obvious, you know, true, you know, good betting value week in week out on. Um, and maybe we just hope that the new, the offense sputters, but they don't quit on Mac Jones through the first four weeks. And then you can get them at a discount against the saints and the Raiders in back-to-back weeks. And then everybody's talking about, Oh, Bill Belichick's got this team turned around and then they go, they host the Buffalo bills and lose by 30, you know? Like that, yeah. that, you know, that kind of is what it looks like to me. Um, overall, uh, they probably beat the bad teams on this schedule, and that's like three games. Everybody else, they're gonna, they're gonna struggle with, and it's not gonna be under games, I don't think, because it's secondary. Dang. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. I don't really have a betting plan of attack for these. No, guys. I, I'd say once we get a read on, I'd like to think. You can bring in a secondary piece like Adrian Phillips, and he plays better here than he had. But I mean, the guy's been in the league for like eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. They don't just you don't just take him and elevate him that quickly. I don't believe, even if it ends up good system with a you know a really good coaching structure in place to make defensive pieces like that, especially defensive secondary pieces, successful. Like, you need him to be good. You need the rookie to be good. And you need the offense to click right away for me to be like excited about this team. All that stuff happening, the market will just quickly. I want to I want to find out a little more about how the defensive secondary gels. And, okay. and then I think we could be looking at this team a little bit as some, you know, maybe a second half team. If, it, if it's a problem, you know, or if this run defense has regressed a little, I think we might have some angles as a, like a second half in-game bet kind of team. But mm-hmm. right now, yeah, I don't have a strong inkling of what I want to do with this team. So it's okay yeah. not to bet a team. Um, do you think there is anything we're missing about the Patriots and with respect to Belichick being like a tendency breaker kind of guy? Like he's pretty clearly doing something with this roster that's a little out of the norm for how teams are trying to win right now. Would you agree with that? I think the biggest tendency breaker was hearing that they'd even talk to Dalvin Cook. In what world do they pay a running back that? Like, imagine what's the what's the biggest contract Belichick's ever given a running back? Yeah, well, that's kind of my thought specifically. Like, does he look at sort of the state of the NFL and was like, "We're gonna zig zig when everyone else is zagging. We're gonna Look-ish double triple Z down on Cook. the on yeah, we're gonna triple down on the running game." I mean, you know, Ramondre 
Ramondre Stevenson, if he's assuming he avoids the big fumble issues that he's had at times, um, probably one of the handful of high likelihood to get 300 touches kind of guys in the NFL this year, wouldn't you yeah, say? He should be the fantasy yeah. guys love him. Yeah. Every time there's a running back that gets a like a a rumor, or they've talked to New England, the fantasy guys get their panties all in a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, my Ramondre shares. <laughs> like they did love him because he, he should get just volume um yeah hopefully it's a like i said a lot of 12 personnel use your tight ends use your tight end depth yeah. use Andre. hopefully the wide receivers give you anything and yeah that's kind of what i want to see in the preseason i know you're not going to give away the farm but i'd like to see what they do with uh you know just the, yeah. the bill o'brien yeah. plant here yeah what is it? <laughs> what is the plan? Um, final prediction for the Patriots. Belichick, we're going to be talking about him this time next year? Yep. Yeah, he'll okay. be back. Okay. Three this wins, not, 12 so wins, saying, he's back. This is You're saying this is not it. We shouldn't appreciate this run from Belichick. Never say well. never again. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... Best luck, Patriots. 